Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip talks about the holy grail of investing. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now... Here's Philip. All right. We are back with another Ask Philip podcast episode, and we are doing this live via LinkedIn. So this is the first time we're doing it, and uh, let's let's get into it. But today, what I really want to talk about is, you know, I was thinking about how do I go deep and simple at a level to understand money, right? Understanding like what the core of money and investing is stripping out as many layers as possible because I feel like we're we're in a world right now where truth is really difficult to uh, to tell right what's what's true because um, there's so much information right good information bad information uh, and it's easy to get tricked and so I want to go to like time tested principles to kind of break down money so that a lot of what I'm saying on the podcast, day in and day out can, can can make some sense. And so to understand the core of what money is, right? Money at the money is just energy. So we you know, so it's not an object. Um it's more of like an abstraction like love. And so let me let me let me uh break it down a little bit further, right? So let's say, you know, uh, for example, I invest my time and energy, which is kind of one of the same, into helping people uh, plan for their future and invest. And for that time and energy, people exchange, people pay me money, right, which is time and energy that they um, uh, use in the past to earn that money, right? So it's a, it's a value exchange. And the, 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 the technology that we use to store that energy is what we call money. Follow me so far, right? So so again, going back to the love example, you know, l- love is an abstraction. It's not a person. It's not an object. It's something that we feel, right? You may ascribe love to a person, right? You may love your spouse, may love your kids. You may love your Tesla, you know, um, but love is not the thing. Love is an abstraction. So again, money we we may store our is is storing the energy that we don't need uh, that we uh, use to serve somebody else in an object right the object could be uh, or in uh, uh, um, in a digital object but it could be a stock certificate it could be a bond certificate which is a contract it could be um, uh, dollars right. That's that's what money is. We we it's hey we want to store this energy that we didn't need that we use to serve somebody else somewhere, and so that's that's what we do it. And and so once you understand that, you understand in order to protect your stored energy, you need to follow certain universal principles. So for example, a lot of people get into trouble and they lose their money when they're when they're lazy, right? When they're greedy. Uh, when they make decisions uh, based on fear, when they invest in get-rich-quick schemes, 
these are all things that are bad energies, right? When you're lazy, uh, impatient, when you are greedy, when you make decisions out of fear, that doesn't do well for your health, for your relationships, for anything. And so it's a, it's a good way for you to get your stored money energy uh, eaten up. And because we live in a world, you know, think think about how the world just works, right? We are about to go into Thanksgiving. We're going to kill a turkey to eat it, to consume its energy, right? Or we're going to take greens out of the ground to cook them, to consume it, to store the energy. So I don't, you know, I don't subscribe to humans are bad because we eat turkeys, right? You know what I mean? Like, because we kill animals. Like, we, you know, in, in order for us to... Uh, live, we have to consume energy, right? In order to stay warm, we have to consume energy to warm us up. So that's not a good or a bad thing. That's just the that's just the is thing. And so why wouldn't it apply also in the in the realm of of money, right? So you have you have people who want to eat your energy, who want to eat your money, uh, and they want to steal it in different ways. Right? They can literally just like steal your money, put a gun to your head, take it. Um, taxation is a form of theft, you know, from the from the government. Uh, inflation is a form of theft, um, and I'll and I'll explain that. That's the biggest form of theft. But also, get rich quick schemes like these are all ways that people look to to, to steal your energy so that they could, quote unquote, live right. And but typically, the people who are stealing it because you can earn it are not doing it the right way uh, and being relatively greedy. But I want to talk today specifically about inflation. I have to give you that background before I go into inflation. So because inflation is the biggest thief of, of, of wealth, like period, like bigger than everything. Inflation steals more wealth than everything. And, and inflation is also uh, an abstraction like money, like love, because it's like it's, you know, the best analogy I can think of is if if living is growth, right? If growth is living, then inflation is dying, you know? Whenever you see a currency that's dying or a country that economy is imploding, it's because the money is bad. And what you also see is the cost of living, which is inflation, right? Inflation is cost of living rising. You see the cost of living of people who save in that currency, it's like just balloon, right? Argentina, Venezuela, Weimar Germany, uh, tons of areas are, you know around the world, right? When the money is dying, which means the economy is dying then you have lots of inflation, right? Inflation equals death, right? And and there's, you know, like the U.S. has experienced slow uh, inflation over the last 50 years or really 100 years, slow inflation, but it's, it's like aging, right? Even right now, like we're dying, but it's slow, it's a slow death. But towards the end of it, you know, like when you're 98 years old and everything's breaking down, right? Or, you know, that's the equivalent of like inflation in the financial world, right? So the universe gives us clues into how all this works. You just got to pay attention. So let's, but let, let's talk about how to protect your energy, right? And have it live as long as it, uh, it can. So let me, it, it's going to require a, and this is why I have my notes, right? A simple math problem, but let's, but it, it, it is simple. Y'all so follow me for a second. So let's say you want to buy a house that's worth $200,000, okay? Option one, you can save for that home in, in dollars. And if you had $200,001 units or $200,000, right? You can buy a home today. Assuming it was $200,000. Now, if the dollar is using 7% of its value a year, which has been similar to the rate it's been losing for the last over a decade as they've been printing money, 
then the cost of that same home in 10 years is going to be $400,000, right? Because at 7%, you lose about half of your value in 10 years. And so it takes twice as much money, $1 units, to buy the same home because it's lost half of its value, saying it a different way. And so, um, and so now if you own a home on the reverse end, you're thinking, wow, <laughs> the value of my house is going up. Uh, but what's really happened is the value of the money is going down, right? Great for the homeowner because as a homeowner, because you didn't own dollars for that equity, you owned the house. It was good for you because it went up relative to the depreciating currency, right? But the person who was saving for the house who didn't yet own the house, now it's going to cost them twice as much to buy the same house because they lost a store of value. Um, in, in, in your example, you own the home, right? So you don't need to buy it. And so it appreciated relative to dollars. Let me let me go a little deeper on that. If you were to price home, a home in gold, right? And that's a complex math problem I won't go over today. But if you said, okay, what was the average price for an average person for buying a home a thousand years ago? It's about the same as what it is today. You can do that with shirts. Uh, because gold, if you price it in gold, gold can't be printed by governments, right? It 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 holds its value across millennia. But paper currency, right? Because gold is not divisible, like we can't shave off gold to pay people. We have to layer that on paper money. And they've continued to abuse the system where they print too much paper money relative to the gold in the system. Right, right, right now we have no gold back in the system. Um, and so then you get currency that loses its it, its value. But if you actually price things in gold, it holds its value. But since we don't, it loses value. Now, let's look at option two, right? So option two says you save for home, for a home in a better store of value. Uh, let's use an example of Bitcoin. I've been talking about it a lot. So let's say you know, same $200,000 home, uh, but, but when you start saving for the home, uh, the price of Bitcoin is $1,000, right? So that means in a, in, a, in a Bitcoin price, you would need, in that example, 200 Bitcoin to buy a home. If you, if you denominate a home in Bitcoin versus dollars. In dollars, it's $200,001 units. In Bitcoin, the house at the price of Bitcoin is $1,000, right? It's 200 Bitcoin units. But let's say that 10 years from now, the price of Bitcoin is now worth $100,000, right? So, so how many Bitcoin units do you need to buy a house that's now worth 400000 Because again, the dollar lost 7% a year. We're doing the same math, right, to keep it simple. You know, so then you say $100,000, we say $400,000 home divided by $100,000 per Bitcoin. That's four units, right? So in math terms, um, your price to buy the home didn't go up. The person who's saving in dollars, right, it, they got to do two times more dollars to buy the same home. The person who saved in Bitcoin, their the price of their home went down 98%. They only need, what, what, what's the math? Four Bitcoins to buy a home versus 200 10 years prior. And that's a, so that's a 98% uh, price drop. And, and so... This is like the fun, I, and what made me do the episode was I had to break down with my account and I had to, she understands math. So I showed her the math of all this and this, of what I'm tracking. And she's like, oh, that's why, you know, you're talking about inflation and all this kind of stuff. I say, yeah, because the fundamental of like investing is 
we're saving for some goal, whether it be educating our kids, whether it be living for so many years, whether it be buying a house, we're saving for money. And in my job as a wealth manager is to uh, have my clients cost of living go down over time versus going up. Cause if, cause, because since we do have, since we do denominate our world in dollars, which is going down in value over time at an increasing rate, then we have to make our savings grow at a significantly higher rate than that so that it brings down our cost of living over time. And so we, you know, cause if you don't, you get poorer, right? If, you know, if you're not earning enough to keep pace, the cost of living, you're poorer in relative terms. But if you earn more than the cost of living, you're wealthier in real terms, same, same as your money. And so this is, this is why you see, you know, go look at news articles of Weimar Germany uh, when in, in the early 20s when their currency was collapsing. The, co- the companies and people that survived, they began denominating their unit of value in dollars. They switched from the Dutch mark uh, to dollars, and then they began to save in gold and dollars and buy American assets. You, you, you see it in Venezuela right now. Like they, um, dollars are premium there because relative to the Bolivar, they're good, they're good stuff. Gold, they're looking to get gold. They're starting to save in Bitcoin. Um, so they, they, they look for good stores of value to put their money into. Same with China. You know, um, uh, China's putting on capital controls because, you know, uh, they're printing a lot of money. Right? They, I mean, they print a stupid amount of money in a short period of time relative to every other country in history. And so a smart investors don't want to get their money out, but it's impossible with their capital, not impossible, but it's tough capital controls. And, and so Chinese, when they can, they've come in and bought U.S. Uh, uh, equities, U.S. Uh, real estate, because our currency relative to theirs, even though our currency is going down in value, relative to all the other currencies, people want dollars and assets that are derivatives of dollars, like rental property, uh, stocks, all those things. Japan, since they've been printing lots of money for the last 30 years, they've bought a bunch of American uh, assets, right? Um, this was what UK citizens did. And the smart UK investors in the early 1900s, when when the UK was the US today, right, they began to convert their assets from UK assets to dollar assets, right? That's why JP Morgan, you know, if you study his story, his dad was over in uh, England before, and they opened an office in America and began to funnel money from uh, European uh, investors into America, right? That's where all the big old banks, uh, how they got started when you look at their history. And so these assets that you save money into it, it, it can be it can be Bitcoin, it can be stocks, it can be cash, it can be bonds, it can be real estate. Uh, what, what's, what's important is if, if, if they are those paper asset derivatives or those currency derivatives, they need to be in a country where the currency is stronger than, than a falling currency. Um, but also where people go for superior returns when everything's melting down is commodities, precious metals, because these things are scarce. You know, there's no... You know, there's only so many resources on the world. And, and, and this is the power of like what Bitcoin is. I did, I did an episode before on the difference between Bitcoin and crypto. Check that out. But Bitcoin is the most scarce asset on the planet and definitely the most scarce digital asset uh, in the ecosystem. Nobody's even close. And so, th- but this is also why you see everything hitting the all time high. People, um, I had a client say, hey, Philip, you, you ever heard of the Buffett ratio, which is basically like, the total stock market market cap 
uh, relative to the D- GDP. And that's, again, just understand that's math. But it's it's at an extreme valuation that has never been before. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's normal because the currency is dying. It's no longer going to respond to the normal valuations because the money is dying. And so people are saying, you know, where do I put my money? Because all the rest of the uh, country's currencies are shit uh, or rubbish. That's what I'm saying. Rubbish. And so then you say, okay, well, I don't want to own cash. Okay, what about bonds? Well, bonds aren't paying much. All right. So I want to own U.S. stocks. You know, I want to own U.S. real estate, uh, specifically like multifamily because the other stuff is like tough too. Uh, you've already been seeing money going into Bitcoin. And as Bitcoin gets bigger, you'll get more institutional money into it because it'll be more uh, regulatory friendly, more safe, right? At this level, a lot of money can't go into it. And you have just a lot of still unclarity uh, around how much of the portfolio you can allocate to it if you're an institution that would be reasonable and responsible. So you have all that kind of going on, but that that's going to get clearer and clearer over time and you'll see more and more money go into Bitcoin because it is the fastest horse in the race. Uh, in this whole scarcity thing. But this is investing like one-on-one. Like this is the basics. Like if you, if, if you can understand this concept and if and if I might have lost you somewhere, listen to it 10 times. That's, that's what I do. Like when I'm listening to something I don't know, I listen to it like 100 times until I know. Um, so go back and re-listen to it because understanding inflation is death to money and what money really is and how to protect your store of value. I mean, that is the game. Like, I, that's why I don't care whether we're talking about stocks, bonds, commodities, U.S. stocks, crypto, Bitcoin. I don't care what it is. You know, I'm going to understand where's the best place to store value and understand how it works so that I can continue to protect my life force, my energy, my store of value, so that it can have the best chance it can to live forever. And that's the goal. So hope this helps. Until next week, y'all enjoy your day. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.